Welcome back to Podcast 45 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Ozbreakers and follow us on social media slash The Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Circa Sports in Las Vegas. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports with two ways to win and no Rake, Circus Sports Millions with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. Play Circus Survivor and select one team each week with no point spread and take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas, play from anywhere, visit CircusSports.com. If you would like to support the Odds Breakers and benefit from our premium plays, Please visit theazbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any of our winning handicappers, including myself, to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit theazbreakers.com and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. We are inching closer to football, my friends, and we have a great guest for today's show. Mr. Rafael Esparza is going to come hang out and talk about some NFL future plays, a little bit more in the exotic markets, rookie of the year, uh, MVPs, defensive player of the year, things like that, and get in deep where we might be able to find some value and show you where we're going to place a few of our bets. We're going to give you some free plays out on some of these fun futures that Raphael puts out every week at mybookie.com. Very excited to talk about the NFL future market. And before he comes on, I wanted to go over a few things. I am in the midst of finishing our classes for UFC and MMA handicapping over at Sports Wagering University. Make sure you check that out. I am actually talking this week on the podcast a little bit about UFC 277. Going to give you out some free plays as well. But if you like to handicap like I do, please feel free to check out Sports Wagering University and grab that UFC package. There is a total of four classes. I also want to remind everyone that we have a new market consensus package for people that might be betting on a budget. It includes a market consensus scrape from sharp bettors that I trust over the internet for plays in pretty much all the main sports you can get monthly throughout the year. So check that package out at theozbreakers.com. We also obviously have our premium football, college football, NFL packages up. For our handicappers, if you don't want to do monthly, you can just buy a package of the sport you like to bet. So please check that out. It will help support the odds breakers. Football is rolling right now, as you know. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about a listener question. This is a question from Rocco's Sports Mission at Trust Rocco on Twitter. He asked if what or how we handle winning liens and losing <laughs> premium plays basically it's uh 
he says he gets frustrated because sometimes there's a nice lean that he had at a certain price and that ends up winning and uh, his other plays that he actually made and put money on are losing. So that's a great question, actually, Rocco, because this happens to all of us. There is times where our liens are hitting and our premium plays aren't, but you have to understand that out of 100 bets, there's only really two or three of those bets that differentiate the advanced handicappers, the sharper players from Joe Public. That's the difference in becoming a profitable sports better and actually losing money, at least by getting juiced out, if not more, to the sports books themselves. So think of it like this, and this is the way I think of it. Maybe I'm going to hit some of my liens, and maybe I'll have a bad day on premium picks, but you have to remember that a lean, you might only be 52, 53% confident, which isn't necessarily enough. You have to be 52.38% on every bet at minus 110, at least to break even and then become profitable after that. Just think of it like they're flipping a coin. Now, I have a lean on this, but I'm going to flip a coin. Maybe it hits because my lean isn't strong enough to make a play, but there's a, probably a chance it's going to hit anyway. Otherwise, I wouldn't be leaning it but also that coin could land on the negative that it actually loses. So you might see that bet win and actually be bummed out about it because you might have lost your other paid bets, but you have to remember it was literally a coin flip and the coin happened to land on the winning side. That's probably the best way you can feel better about it. The other way you need to look at it is if this is a money line play and you could have got plus money, and you were, let's just say you were 50-50 on it, maybe you should have made that play and you learn from it, right? If there's a truly a 50-50 bet and you're getting plus 130, plus 140, plus 150, you should be making that play anyway because it's about the numbers. It's about the numbers and the percentage. And I really did go into that in detail in our free UFC class that we have over at Sports Wager University. The first class was just basically learning how to read percentages and convert money lines into the percentage of that bet winning or that bet losing. So that's the best way I could give you advice to look at. I try to remember the liens that I have that lost to make me feel better. You know, for me, I see team, I seem to remember the losing more than I do the winning. Uh, I complain when I lose, I'm a little bit maybe quieter when I win, but that in general, I think if that mindset kind of hurts you because you ha you rem you forget about all the times that you've leaned on plays and they actually lost anyway, but you're going to remember them a little bit more when they win. So keep in mind that there's a reason that you didn't play this. And just because it wins doesn't mean it came into the positive EV realm that you need to be making those plays. That's the best advice I can give to you. Just remember, even though they hit, it was just a coin flip anyway, and you know that there's a 50% chance of that hitting anyway, especially if it's a lean and uh, maybe even slightly above 50% being if you're a sharper player or a winning handicapper. So always keep that in mind. Don't get bummed out when that happens. Hey, it's a, it's a journey. It is not a sprint. It is all compiled into large amounts of plays and we can't be anecdotal to think about what happened yesterday 
So I hope I answered that for you, Rocco. Uh, feel free to ask any other questions. You've been a great follower. Really enjoyed that question and anything else coming up for football season. We'd love to hear back from you. Finally, I wanted to cover that I'm going to be at the Circa signing up for the Circa Millions and podcasting for the Circa on August 26th at 1 p.m. Please stop by the Victory Burger if you're there. The Circa has hired us to help promote the Circa Millions. I will be doing a live podcast that weekend from the Circa, and I'll be at the Circa pretty much all weekend, August 26th and 27th. Stop by and say hi. All right, without further ado, let's get on our guest to talk some football, Mr. Rafael Esparza. Now I'm happy to welcome back a fantastic handicapper and longtime friend of the show who works on both sides of the window. You know him from his work at mybookie.com and his great plays and insights at docsports.com. I'm very happy to bring back Mr. Rafael Esparza to the Odds Breakers. You can follow him on Twitter at VSI Doc Sports. And this segment is being brought to you by MyBookie.com. For a 50% sign-up bonus, please visit MyBookie and use the promo code the Odds Breakers. Terms, conditions, and location apply. Raf, I can see that football's kind of coming at us in a distance. I see a I see a cloud of smoke out there. You know, it's it's charging and it might be a fullback. I might have to get out of the way here, but I'm happy about it. How's your summer treating you? It's, do, do people still play the position of fullback? I mean, it's <laughs> it's one of the long lost positions, I think, in the, in the NFL. But uh, Derek Watt, baby, Derek Watt, come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, but uh, it's been summer's been you know uh, up and down. We were talking up on the air. Uh, baseball season always has good months, bad months. Uh, I'm a Cubs fan, so my summer's been not that good. Uh, cried a little yesterday when uh, Wilson Contreras was probably going to beat his last home game uh, at Wrigley. So, but the Contreras, I'm more saddened, uh, but Hap, uh, Hap has had up and down seasons and he's finally had a great season this year. Cause he learned how to take pictures and go for walks and sort of swing at everything. But, uh, more saddened by Wilson, Wilson Contreras. I just do not want him to go to like uh, the Dodgers or Yankees or Red Sox. I'm hearing mostly Phillies, uh, stuff like that. But uh, Well, he's got oh a lot well. of good years left, you know. And um, I understand, Hap. It's almost like can't you hold on to one guy, you know, is what you, you what, what you think a little bit. I do like some of the other guys like Keegan Thompson. I think there's some uh, potential there, Horner. I think some that's who they're going to hold on to. They're going to hold on to Nico Horner. I think that's who they're going to probably build around. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, there's another guy I think, and, he, and his name is kind of going away from me. It is Morel. They might hold on. Yeah, to Morel. They might hold on to Morel too. So yeah. I, I mean, it's all about money, and uh, Wilson's going to be expensive. He's probably the best catcher in baseball, in my opinion. So. Um, it, we'll see where he goes, and yeah, I don't please not the Yankees or the uh, or the Mets or, or or the Dodgers. You know, I would like to see him go to a team. Uh, you know, th- that is kind of there that needs a little help. Maybe Seattle. Seattle can yeah. make, Seattle can make the playoffs. You know, um, Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland's actually pretty hot right now. Please no White Sox, but um, you know we'll see. Obviously. Uh, me being a Cubs fan, it, it's been it's been tough. But at the same time, you know, 
I don't watch them a ton when they're losing. I, I, I don't I don't I don't like that true fandom. You watch them, yeah, you're wasting your time. Go sports bet or something. Jesus Christ, don't watch your team lose all day. I watch them. I watch them. I watch them when I lose. I used to watch them when I was a kid at WGN, uh, losing all the time. So it's uh, it bring, it brings me joy to watch them win or lose. All right, well, I'll tell you what I do. I'll have them on in the background <laughs> to go about my day. Well, okay, I'm not paying attention. I'm not paying attention. I just said I had it on. All right, man. Well, let's get into it. That is a handicapper at my bookie. When do the most season win totals and future bets come in on the NFL? I've kind of always wondered that. Is it kind of right after the draft, everyone's excited? Or is it maybe midsummer when people are kind of getting their power ratings and their thoughts into place? Or is it right before the season, the month of August, uh, where these future bets and season win totals are coming in? The Joe Betters, which you know who the Joe Betters are, they'll bet right during the right during the Hall of Fame game. They're probably looking at total season wins because the Hall of Fame games on TV, and they forgot that preseason football or even camps have started. Uh, so they'll put on that one. Usually throughout the whole summer, it's mostly just wise guy action, or, or if if someone sees a rumor, Jimmy G's gonna go here, then they'll pound to Houston. Uh, or, or Seattle, stuff like that. But I would say the majority of the uh, bets, not dollar amount, just tickets written, probably has to be right, boom, right when the uh, pre- first preseason, the Hall of Fame game, then everyone starts jonesing for anything and everything uh, when it comes to NFL and college football futures. They're not just the NFL. I just think football in whole comes in right when that Hall of Fame. But like I said, that's a, probably the bulk of it. Wise guy actions all summer long. All summer long, baby, right from the draft on. Yeah, I agree. And I think there are some people that even hit some stuff before the NFL draft. I'm a I'm a right after the draft guy and then do my research and kind of uh, I'm pretty hard in July. June, I suppose I did a lot of end of June. I had my previews written before that. I did a lot of end of June, a little bit here in July. And now when more lines come out, like some of these exotic futures that we're going to talk about, um, that's when I obviously hit those. You know, it's funny about Jimmy G. It's a little late for him to kind of, you know, learn a system right now. It's yeah. Like, it's, it's like his values, kind of trade value is kind of going down, in my opinion. It's like, yeah, he's better than freaking over half the quarterbacks out there. And it's probably stupid for San Fran to do this. But um, I, I just wonder where he can help and make an immediate impact without learning all the plays. Uh, you know, the Texans, or, I don't know. At Seattle, it's, they won't want to keep. Gotta be, it's got to be those two. It has to, unless for some reason a freak injury in New England or or somewhere else during the now that the camps are open up. But it's got to be either Houston or Seattle. And would they deal with Seattle in their division like that? That's just another thing, you know. Um, that's a tough one. You don't want to give them up to your own division. Yet you have to get a premium for something yeah. like well, that. But you know, they're 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 in a rock and a hard place now because of Starbucks gift card. That's what that's what Seattle will give them a star uh Starbucks gift card. Yeah, exactly a Starbucks. Uh Seattle's gonna, you know, say, hey, you know, you guys are you guys screwed him over and uh you gotta you're playing with a guy that's unproven and you have to you made your bed and now sleep in it is what they're saying. Probably I would be pretty stiff myself if I was a GM uh negotiating this deal. But at the same time you know, Seattle's expectations isn't going to win. It's not to win it this year, and hopefully the fan knows it. I would rather personally go six and eleven rather than eight and eight or eight and nine and get a better draft choice. In my opinion, I think uh, there's there's absolutely no way that I look at it like that. 
Well, let's get into some of your thoughts on the rule change for the playoffs. I haven't got to talk much about this, Raf, and uh, I thought this would be a good question for us. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting how that Buffalo game, it was so freaking predictable. I'm sitting here with my over ticket. It's two minutes left. Just ready to rip it up. Just be like, are you kidding me? Buffalo can't, see, can't hit the over here. And then in two minutes, like a billion points were scored, like over half the points game. Best two minutes of football I've seen. It was the it, it was the best and also the most it, probably the worst too because it was kind of pathetic on how yeah. e- easily that happened. Uh, but it, from an excitement standpoint, being at the end of the game, yeah, it was the best exciting two minutes that we've ever seen. But now, uh, obviously, they're like, well, guess what, Buffalo. Uh, they gave up that that field goal and uh, didn't get the ball and. Uh, Pat Mahomes was Pat Mahomes. <laughs> Pretty much won the game. It's like, this was a stupid rule in the first place, and now they're kind of fixing it. But it's weird that they're fixing it just for the playoffs. Um, yeah. I, I find that funny. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Should this be like a season rule, or should they just change the whole dang thing any like completely? I think it should be a season rule, because everyone who makes fun of one of my favorite sports, soccer, when there's a draw, when it's 0-0, and now no one, you don't see anything that happens if the NFL does it. They'll, they'll talk about it for maybe the first couple of hours on Monday morning and stuff like that, but it, it dies off. But everyone wants to complain when a World Cup soccer game ends in a 0-0 draw or something like that. The world is going to end, but we don't complain about NFL ties. I think just put it all through the whole season. Uh, why just only the playoffs? A, because I think we can finally put totals when the game goes into overtime. We could just put up, <laughs> we could just put up either three and a half or six and a half or something like that. Put some totals on the uh, overtime games. Uh, so I, I would like to see it all the way, and I think it will see it all the way. And if I if, I'm, if I haven't, I think I read the XFL rules. I think they're going to have it all the way. Uh, there are not going to be no ties in the XFL rules. I may be wrong on that one. I think they're going to uh, do it all season long. XFL rules, interesting. Yeah, so I think they, I, I think it should be consistent from the season to the playoffs. I guess they're still yeah. in experimental mode, but to be honest, see, there's just a, there's way more that needs to be fixed. The replay is just absolutely atrocious. It should be done in thirty seconds in the upstairs. Like we're all seeing the TV and we're like, we can make a judgment on something obvious. Now, sure, there's going to be fifty fifty calls, and then, but you should see it, see a fifty fifty call, and then you know thirty seconds be like, there's nothing here. See ya pass it on, keep the momentum of the game going. You know, I, I think that's way more important that for some reason, Roger Goodell doesn't have the sense to address. And I also have to blame the owners of the teams. It's just like, you're, you're just letting um, some of these officials grade their own homework. And we saw how bad that was. They would literally just go with what they said, even when they saw it on camera wrong. So that's my biggest problem with the NFL ref. Well, yeah, there's other rules to be changed. That uh, you you hit that that on. There should be other rules than than the overtime rules. Dude, let's put put college rules in there, like the old college rules. I want to see Kansas City put up 80 points uh, in overtime, <laughs> like we did in college football. So, go back to the college rules. Yeah, keep that live betting going, right? What the yeah? Heck? Yeah, let's go back. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you this: I, I the college rule doesn't make sense, but I don't, I don't see how you can make a ton of sense in football, anyways. It's uh, the XFL, I think, is going to be the first to come up with something that makes more sense, in my opinion, or one of those uh, other leagues. Let's and get who's going to tell the rock? Who's going to tell the rock he's wrong? <laughs> if you smell what he's cooking, there you go. <laughs> All right, we won't get into Vix McMahon here. I know you love to. Do it. We were not going to get into that. It's not not that kind of show. <laughs> anyways. I'm sure there's some. Pro- summer's <laughs> <time we can. laughs> 
Let's get into some futures here. And first of all, I want to know if you have any win totals that you played already. And you can shame us for getting us a better line or whatever if you want. Or any uh, future bets that you might have played. Like, like in general. Like when I say, I, I mean divisional future bets. Because we'll get into the more exotics afterwards. Total season wins. I picked the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I know Big Ben's not there, but his arm wasn't there for the last couple of years. So it's not like he, he got injured in his prime and he's no longer there. I think it's probably an upgrade for one of the quarterbacks who's going to win it uh, out there. And I just think they're going to win games on defense. You're trying to tell me seven and a half. Every time I blink my eye every year, Pittsburgh had nine, ten with double-digit wins, double-digit wins. So I, I give now you're telling me either – Mason Rudolph or the old Bears quarterback or Pickett who's just going get to gets to play in his backyard pretty much. Uh, they can't muster up seven and a half or, or eight wins with that defense that they have. Uh, I like Pittsburgh. I thought it was a very, very low total because I'm actually taking a step backwards on the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't, I'm not, I think they can take a small step backwards. Uh, so if they're going to take a small step backwards and figures Cleveland, we have no idea what's going to happen to Cleveland with their quarterback issues. Uh, I can see Pittsburgh splitting maybe their uh, their division games. Uh, so now you should tell me it's just win a couple more. Seven and a half seems like a very, very low total. So I like that. And Atlanta minus 105. You know, it says seven minus 125 too, if you're worried about pushing at some of these books. So, I, was, yeah. I you know, I'm going to be honest with you, and I said this in June, I wanted to wait on this because I wanted the Mitch Trubisky hate to come in full force from the public. Oh, yeah. And uh, I would like to see this line get go down and down. And I think that uh, this one m- might be a play for me in the future. So I'm still holding tight here. Maybe I'm greedy, but it's not like I care that much because I have plenty of action anyway. And my number isn't exactly um, that much higher than seven. So uh, I'm going to wait on the Pittsburgh and kind of see where we come with. Any other plays that you made? Uh, Tampa Bay under. I mean, no Gronk. Tom Brady has a mega contract on TV already waiting for him. I mean, Leonard Ford, I think think he weighs like William Perry uh, weight right now coming into camp. I just don't see the moment. And it would not shock me if they don't even win a division. It would not shock me if if the Saints – or even Carolina, that I think it could be a much better team this year, uh, wins that division. I'm not sold on Tampa Bay. Uh, so I thought 11 and a half, wow. I mean, that's a big, 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 big number. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't trust Tampa Tom uh, this year like I had in, in, in recent past. And you have a whole new, new whole coaching, yeah, new head coach there as well. So not sold on Tampa Tom. I like the under at 11 and a half. Yeah, Tampa Tom, um, that team's a lot thinner now. They did get Hakeem Hicks, and they just got Tulio Jones, but they still lost a ton. And we have to remember that Bruce Arians is not Todd Bowles. These are different guys running the team. I mean, Tom, getting old, man. And uh, I almost feel like you might see one of those Patriots teams like right before Tom left where he limped Mm -hmm. limped into the playoffs. I think it was like the Jets or the Dolphins or somebody that was bad that year beat them the day before their playoff game, and the Titans destroyed them, I think. Uh, That's what you could see with them, and that's why I'm kind of on the Saints on the over. And I discussed this in a previous podcast, but in my opinion, I think the Saints have a – just as good of a chance as anybody to uh, get that done. Any divisional futures that you have played or conference futures? I do have the Saints uh, ticket at plus 350. The only thing that scares me, we still have not figured out what's going to happen with Camara. 
Uh, Hill has not been actually – he actually practiced today is what I'm hearing, his new tight end position or whatever he's going to be. We still have a lot of question marks with Michael Thomas. We still have question marks on famous James's knee. Uh, how healthy is he going to be? So that offense kind of scares me a little bit all season long. That's why I'm not really sold on total season wins uh, on the Saints because I think huge question mark like the Riddler – uh, and Batman on their offense. Defense, they're always going to be solid. Uh, you can always count on the Saints defense. And I think the Saints defense probably wins them a couple games uh, throughout the whole season. But that offense, I'm still really, really scared. I, I 100, 110% agree with you. If there's one person team that wins that division, it could be the Saints. And that's the that the Saints have owned Tampa Tom uh, since he's been in Tampa. So uh, I got plus 350 uh, a while back on that one. So uh, I, I like that play as well. I'm glad you gave it out because I got plus 400 on it. It was actually at plus 430 at my bookie a month ago, man. <laughs> I think I took a little piece of I that. I can't bet there. I know. You can't bet there. But, hey, man, you can influence the line and be like, hey, we're going to lose money. No. <laughs> I think it was a great value. Um, I, I am concerned with Kamara. What, is, is, has there been charges or anything with him? No. I mean, I, I think everything's still in the process, but uh... – being in former Vegas, uh, uh, a casino employee, and having a lot of people that work in surveillance, I have seen the footage. So he's going to get some games. Uh, it's not like he didn't. It's not like he was just standing there. He threw multiple punches, multiple kicks, <laughs> bright on day uh, of it. So uh, I'm pro- I would be shocked if it's. It's probably going to be anywhere between three to five games. I'm thinking. I'm going to go with the low to end on two. Um, I don't think he's gotten in a ton of trouble. Now, let's just see their first two games here. You're at Atlanta. That could be a win without him, but versus Tampa would be a little tricky. At Carolina um, could be a win without him. I hate the fact that they're away, but, um, you know, the Saints have a pretty deep running back core. I think they're going to be okay. And, uh, you know, Kamara is just such a big piece of that team. But Jameis is back, right? Jameis is back. Come on, Jameis is back. We're good. And well, one uh, thing about I think one th- I'm going to break into one thing that you have to look out for, Kamara. I think the reason why they haven't said anything is I think the whole league is waiting to see what's going to happen to Watson. I think that's going to be if Watson gets a whole year, then I think everyone else probably gets a longer suspension would normally would give just because let's face it, it's the watson era when it comes to suspensions if you're in the nfl player i wouldn't do anything wrong this year because like i said i think it's going to be the watson era when it comes to uh suspension games wow i would hate to have to live up to that um <laughs> i mean watson is just a complete different uh allegation than what we're doing. Well, I agree, I agree, but I just think that with so many arrests in the league and so many negativity when it comes to law enforcement of the league, I just think it's a bad era to get suspended when there's legal actions and cops involved uh, uh, with, with a big stipulation what's going to happen to Watson and all his 30 cases against him. Right. Well, I agree. I do like Dennis Allen because he came from the team. There's consistency at offensive coordinator. So we do have that one going for us. Let's move on to – I'm going to give out one more, and I already gave this out. And it's an obvious one. It's kind of like a no-duh. You know, I'm taking the Ravens to win the uh, North, AFC North. And I got that plus 200, and I doubt you can find that number again. But, I mean, I almost think it should be almost minus. Here's the thing. This team was favored last year. They had the worst injury luck because of old John Harbaugh and has to win preseason games. And it even happened in practice, some of those uh, ACL tears and 
uh, by their yeah, day. all the running backs were just out. <laughs> yeah, and now they come back in full health. Lamar's fully healthy. He's excited, and they have a fourth place schedule. You know, they're the ones with they're playing the Jacksonville's. You know, the the teams like that, the Jets. Yeah, you know, I think that's perfect for them, and uh, it, it's so it, it just almost makes too much sense. I'm a little worried that it makes too much sense, but um, you know, maybe people are on the Bengals, but this is the Ravens all day plus 200 for me. I even like them over their nine and a half season win total. My number's like in the 11s, you know, for them. They're probably one of my biggest projection is the Ravens here with the comeback season. So we'll see if that comes to fruition too, Raph. I, one thing I, I want to get your opinion on is why is the like Indianapolis Colts only like anywhere between minus 115, minus 120, minus 125 to win their division? I mean, I think it's an upgrade with Matty Ice uh, up there. They have the offensive line, so he doesn't have to run around to, to save his life hey, like he had to do in Atlanta for the past three to four years. He's got a great running back uh, on there. I thought, that, I, thought that, I thought that should be my at least right now, July twenty seventh. That would be back minus one forty, minus one fifty. I agree with you. And the thing about the Colts is that their season win total is at ten. Yes, I I took over, and I think I can buy back. And because the reason. For that, and I'll just pull up their schedule. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna give you your schedule, and I'm just doing this from memory here. Schedule their first uh, eight or nine games. We're at Houston, should be a win. At Jacksonville, hope that's a win for the Colts. Versus Kansas City at home, probably a loss, but they have a shot there. Versus Tennessee at home, they should win their division game at home. Um, at Denver is a little tricky, but then you have Jacksonville. And then you're back at Tennessee, and then you have Washington. I think their first eight games are a little bit easier, and you might. And if you can go like six and two there, you might be able to get a twelve, and you'd be able to try to middle this. But the reason is because Tennessee won the whole AFC last year, and the public percentage or perception is probably Tennessee is still a really good team. Um, now, I do say think that the, the coaching of Rabel has been better, and I don't think I'm going to miss A.J. Brown as much as people think. I, I think that he was great, but I think any receiver on play action could pop wide open, if you know what I'm saying. So I agree the Colts should be around 150, 170, minus 170. That's not, so bad, that's not bad value, in my opinion. They, no. do, they do have the second-place schedule. They screwed themselves out of the playoffs. But I will tell you one thing about Houston. A lot of people say I'd like them under their four and a half or four wins or whatever it is. Uh, Here's the scary part about that. You have the Colts that's favored to win the division, and we both agree that they're underpriced. Well, guess what? What if the Colts are at week 18? They're just like the Bengals were last year. They can't improve their playoff seed, but they already have the division in wraps. You know what they're going to do against the Houston Texans at home? They're going to freaking bench their players. And that's where the Texans might get that fifth win to bust your ticket. So I want to warn people about that. If you're thinking about going under with the Tex- Texans, that if the Colts are in place and they cannot play for the division, because maybe maybe Kansas City's too good this year, maybe Buffalo's got home field wrapped up, which they're supposed to according to the odds, well, you're in this situation just like the Bengals were last year against Cleveland. So there you go, Ralph. Little, little uh, future forecasting. <laughs> yeah, I want to write that down. That was a great insight. <laughs> Thank you. Anyways, let's move on then. Um, 
let's get into the exotic markets here. And I'm going to pull up good old mybookie.com. They're probably going to make me like uh, re-log in or something fun. But um, we're going to start out with the... And you didn't play any conference championship odds, right? Like you made. No, I don't play. Yeah. I don't play any. Yeah, I, I, I think if people remember our show from last year, we don't play that Super Bowl stuff unless we get something obviously stupid um, that's available to us. Moving into the first one, I'm going to go with to make the playoffs. Um, I did bet a team to make the playoffs, and I bet the Minnesota Vikings at even money to make the playoffs. My reasoning is well. They are in one of the easier divisions. I am not high on the Chicago Bears, unfortunately, this year as a Bears fan, right? Um, Not high on them at all. I think the Lions make a step forward, but it's still Jared Goff. I I think that's still going to be their crutch. And and he's going to come in motivated, but he had a season last year to kind of try to prove the Rams wrong. And I did bet on him and covered against the Rams, but now it's the next season. It's time for him to fade back into Jared Goff type things. I think the Vikings vastly improved their defense. Vastly. I think they got a coach now that was under Matt LaFleur. And he, or sorry, he was actually under Shanahan and LaFleur, I think, at one point. But he, for a while, Kevin O'Connell was a Washington offensive coordinator. He failed there. Then he went... Uh, with the Lafleurs and did pretty well, I believe, and became the head coach now with Minnesota, if I remember this correctly. It's one of them. It's Shanahan or Lafleur, which is pretty much the same coaching tree anyway. So, in my opinion, uh, this team does enough to make the playoffs. It could be with nine wins. It could be with ten wins. Their season win total is nine juice to the over. So maybe they push at nine on that and still make the playoffs. That's what am I? Any thoughts on that one? I like that one. I'm not 100% sold on Green Bay, a.k.a. Nicolas Cage uh, as their quarterback. Uh, and you said in the Lions and uh, the Bears are in that division. So it's going to be a battle of those two teams. And I agree. I think on new coaching and especially I think their offensive line is going to be much improved this year. Uh, I, I would not th- that would not shock me if the Vikings win that division and maybe the Packers get a wild card. So uh, that, uh, that's a good play. That's a great number you had. I actually played two, and they're actually they're not bad numbers. I just think the number is just way wrong. I mean, yeah, if, uh, for for instance, if you can get the Yankees at home minus two dollars or less, you're going to look at them just the way they play at home and the way they hit home runs at home. Right. Why are the Indianapolis Colts minus one sixty five to make the playoffs when we just discussed them? Uh, just now, I thought they should have been misrun. That should have been minus $2 or, or something like that. And the same thing with the Chargers. I think they're going to win games on defense, not on Justin Hubert. Uh, that defense with Mac there now, uh, I just am totally blown away. Well, you can get them minus 155, minus 150, and minus 160. I checked three places. Minus 150 at FanDuel. Uh, just don't tell the bosses I said that right now. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm just totally blown away, that, uh, especially the Chargers. I, I played that one actually the other day. Uh, when I was uh, looking at some NFL stuff, and I'm like, why are the Chargers so low just to make the playoffs? That's re- I think they can actually almost win the division and maybe win that conference uh, just because of their defense alone. Right. I, I totally like it. I agree. I think the Colts and the Chargers are live here, and uh, I think they, they should make the playoffs this year. I just they, It's funny you mentioned these two teams. These are the two teams that freaking choked last year in the stretch, man. I mean – 
All you had to do was beat the Raiders at home, and then you don't. And then you have Jacksonville at home, and you literally blow that one too and allow the Steelers to sneak in like that? What the heck was that, man? I don't understand. I think Max leadership in that locker room would not make would not do it would not have that happen this year. No, no way. No, definitely not. And uh, they really improved their defense. Both the Vikings and the they did they did the. Uh, I wanted to correct. Uh, O'Connell was under McVeigh, which is still the same tree. If you dig deep, uh, it's yeah. still the same tree. <laughs> still the same tree. And so he learned from McVeigh a little bit over at the Rams. Became uh, obviously win that Super Bowl. So. What I want to get into now is the next question, and let me pull those up real quick. I have NFL MVP, and I would thought it wasn't going to make a play, Ralph. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking at the my bookies, and I'm like, "Ooh, that one's really sticking out, man." I'm gonna let you try to guess that one, and then uh, see if you picked any yourself. Ugh. I'm trying to think of the names. You, some of the teams you mentioned, I think, oh, man. I'm going to say Kirk Cousins. <laughs> oh, no. He jokes. They're going to win on defense because of getting, like, Hicks and uh, and uh, Zadarius Smith. They're, the Vikings really had a great draft. Lewis Seen. Lamar Jackson at 20-1? Yes, yes, yes. Second guess gets it. Lamar Jackson at 21. Like I said, cake schedule. You know, I mean, he could, he could also be called a comeback player of the year, but I think he goes above that and becomes the regular season MVP just based upon that schedule and based upon the embarrassment that it kind of had last year. You know, Lamar, very hard to stop that guy. When he gets out in the pocket, he can do a lot. If he doesn't run, he can actually throw from out of the pocket pretty decently. I just hate him throwing to the sidelines when he's in the pocket. That's my problem with Lamar, but it's Harbaugh. This is he's a motivated coach. He's a great coach. He's proven it many, many times. Twenty to one is a gift. I mean, they have guys like Matt Stafford ahead of them that's in his honeymoon year of being a quarterback. Hell, they went on defense anyway. You know, they, they got Dak Prescott in front of him, which Dak, you know, uh under pressure, we still don't know what he is. Uh Joe Burrow is way ahead of him. Aaron Rodgers to make three in a row. Are you kidding me? You know, that's possible, but still, yeah, Justin Herbert's ahead of him. Old Tom Brady's ahead of him. Josh Allen, of course. Patty Mahomes. I like the 20 to 1 here, and I'm sticking with it. I think it's a good play. And and did you did you make say you made any? or? I made one, and it's because of, like I said, when I was do, doing some dissection. You trying to tell me I can get Matty Ice at 54 to 1? <laughs> like I said, He's got a better offensive line. He's got a better uh, running back. If they can win the division, make a long trip to the playoffs, just uh, uh, why not? That's why I tell people if you're, you just, we mentioned the Saints. If the Saints make it to the playoffs deep in there, you can get famous Jameis at plus 7,000. I mean, and let's face it, that's a team that would probably win on defense uh, most of their games. But uh, I'm looking at some quarterbacks. I think they have some proven to be. Uh, and I think everyone's going to give to all the Buffalo Bills, Allen, Mahomes, Brady. You said it. Uh, there's no way Aaron Rodgers wins three in a row. Uh, I just I was looking for value. And like I said, I think Matt Ryan's looking for some redemption because they had to play in a horrible, horrible team in Atlanta. And again, I'll take famous Jameis uh, at the, uh, plus 7,000. 
71 or famous Jameis. Uh, he better turn it around. But yeah, and yes, this team does win on defense, and now they have a defensive coach. But he still has to do something out there. He's just got to last throughout the year, get this team to the playoffs. I think you definitely got a good shot at that one. It's going to be, uh, yes, we just got to convince the pundits that you don't always have to give it to the stars, man. Come on. Yeah, Lamar Jackson is a star, though, in my opinion, and a 21 to star. So I'm going to stick with that one. Um, how about best regular season record? Did you touch that one? No, but I like I like the Chargers. If I had to touch, touch it, uh, they're, they're my team. I think that's going to win it all this year. Uh, I think uh, the trophy stays in uh, SoCal. Uh, you figure college football stays in the SEC. Why doesn't the Super Bowl just stay in uh, uh, in SoCal? So uh, I, I like the Chargers. <laughs> oh, my God. The, you like the analogy? That's how, I, that's how I pick my teams. West Coast bias coming on here from Raf. <laughs> I guess Vegas is a what, five-hour drive? No, eh, five. five and a half. Stop off at Barstow and get some Del Taco, or but you only take your private jet. That, that's yeah, much yeah. much faster. Um, so yeah, I, I can't. I, third place schedule for the Chargers. I can't disagree exactly. with that. Sure. Got to love that third place schedule. So very possible. I didn't touch this one, but I do like where your thoughts are on the Chargers. Uh, best regular season. I like the Chargers, and obviously, I still like the Ravens for this one. So I don't want to just go black the whole. Uh, pur- purple and black the whole <laughs> line here of bets so i might stay away from this one but people who are watching this baltimore ravens and the chargers both don't make the playoffs because because we just we've just been talking about those two teams the whole show well so here's fun. what's going to happen herbert's going to get mvp and because i'm not betting the raven they're going to give the let the ravens get the uh best regular season record so that that's how we're going to get screwed this year right oh, that how it goes? okay um, i'll have to make sure i write that down to you we got to take care of our threats <laughs> makes sense all right well let's move on here i have i think i have the offensive player of offensive rookie of the year that's what i have next offensive rookie of the year now there's some big favorites in this one i'm gonna mention them you have pat uh kenny pickett of course because the all the hate for mitch and the fact they use the first quarterback drafted plus 560, 5.6 to 1. Drake London plus 710. Oh, God, a receiver. Uh, Brees Hall plus 750 for the ugh, Jets. Uh, Traylon Burks plus 780. Okay. If he does for A.J. Brown what they want him to do. Christian Watson plus 850 to replace Devontae Adams. Chris Olave plus 900. I'm not even on these guys. I took a bigger one. I took Desmond Ritter. Ooh, it looks like this line moved a little bit in my direction. I took him at plus 1550, and it's at plus 1500 now. I don't see how Atlanta wins with who they have in Marcus right here. Um, I think that Ritter comes in quickly, and I think he takes over the Atlanta Falcons. I think they have a really good tight end to throw to. I, if somehow they can kind of come up and shock some people, and he's the one that sustains he's going to get the nod over all these receivers and running backs. I mean, I honestly think it's probably between Kenny Pickett and him because who else has the better chance to start? I would have said Matt Corral maybe, but now they got uh, Baker. They got Baker over at the Carolina now, and they're probably going to give him a long run. So, I mean, I'm liking Ritter. What are your thoughts? Uh, shop around because uh, there is better numbers uh, for Ritter. I actually, you look at it, it's on my sheets that I, that was one of the ones that I actually do have money on there. But I'm going to go totally opposite. I'm going to take James Cook from Buffalo. I think 
uh, I think the passing game for him, I think uh, of the screen passes and the open middle of the field that he might have, I don't think his running would do it, but I think they're going to use him a lot uh, for Buffalo. So I'm going to be a sneak. I mean, it's plus 1350. There's 15 to one. Uh, and, and other shots. I, I wasn't going to take, you know, Kenny Pickett, all these other ones that people are going to bet that I was kind of looking for a nice shot. And I think Buffalo is going to want to, I can't believe they're going to say this, rev up their offense even more this year uh, than what we saw last year. So I, I took a shot. I think James Cook, I think he can have a nice receiving year for the Buffalo Bills. You know where fantasy running backs for the Bills go right into the tank. But guess what? I was buying your crap because uh, I'm fourth pick in my dynasty league, and I picked him. <laughs> so I had to pick him above some guys, right? I'm thinking maybe, <laughs> maybe they get he does get some Josh Allen dump off passes here because you know that's why I'm counting on dump off passes, people, not uh, through not through the ground game, dump off passes. And I, and I heard they might use him for uh, punting too. Well, good. Zach Moss and um, and uh, Singletary was not any good last year. No. And uh, yet let's hope that he becomes a big part for my fantasy value and for your bet, Ref. So let's see how far we can take Mr. Cook here, the brother of Delvin Cook, FYI. Yeah, I was just going to say that. So that's another reason why. All right. Well, I hope his speed is cooking like his brother. Let's move on to Defensive Rookie of the Year. And I have one that you can never guess. I'm going to let you go first and uh, see what you got. I'm going to say we might have the same one just because of how we've been talking so far. So I'm going to say mine, and I'm going to because I think we might have the same one. I could be wrong. Kyle Hamilton for the Baltimore Ravens. Kyle Hamilton. No, no, I don't have that. No, I like him. What's his number? A seven to one. Yeah, you can get uh, both FanDuel, DraftKings. I think have both have an eight to one. I saw some other global books had a little bit higher. Uh, anywhere, I would say I wouldn't take anything lower than seven, but you can get seven, seven fifty, eight to one all over town. So make sure again you shop around, get that best number. Baltimore always wins games. They won a Super Bowl on their defense. They gave Trent Dilfer a ring because of their defense. And uh, now you're telling me this guy is going to be on that defense. I think it's going to be much improved than last year because they gave up some points last year, even though that defense was gassed in the second half because they had no offense for Lamar out there uh I, I like this play i I'm, I'm a little bit sold on the baltimore ravens defense the more than i am on their offense this year even though they're gonna have their running backs all back this year but i like this kid well there you go um i like i said i can't paint the whole thing purple and black but uh i'm gonna, i did for i'm gonna be a homer here ralph um and i'm gonna pick somebody out of left field here that makes sense to me kansas city really did not have a good defense last year, and they need somebody big to fi fix it. And I watched this guy play his whole college career, and I thought he has the same potential, but through a middle linebacker as like a T.J. Watt coming in, and that's Leo Chanel for the, from the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, later draft pick because he wasn't touted to go high, but this man destroyed teams and came through. He can get through the line. He plays a perfect middle, smart guy, strong pretty fast for a linebacker he's gonna take over this kansas city defense in my opinion and everyone's gonna be coming in all week on their defense and he's gonna be the one to prove that they're not right now he's listening the depth chart is number two but i think he moves into number one quickly and i got him at 44 to one it's down to 43 to one so maybe the, that line moved a little bit but i'm pretty happy with 43 to one i'm happy with anything above uh, 25 to one on leo chanel i think uh it, it, being a starting linebacker is a big thing, in my opinion. And I think uh, 
uh, when 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 you actually transition a defense, they're going to give him the credit more than a lot of other players. So I'm sticking with my Homer Badger play. <laughs> Any comments? Oh. Homer, but I agree. I mean, anytime, I, the middle line, middle linebackers and running backs, Wisconsin always produces produces them really well. So I, I like to play. And Kansas, anything will help Kansas City's defense. And I think you, and I agree with you. I think he's going to be. He's on a depth chart too right now. Guarantee you by week one he'll be number one. All right, let's move on to offensive player of the year. And I think you have to click on a different area for this when you're on your site, my bookie. Um, regular season general props, I believe. But, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and so you look at that. I did not make a play because it's just so close to MVP for me almost, you know, because they give the MVP to the offensive guy unless something crazy happens. Um, so uh, I'm going to let you uh, give us yours if you have one. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I didn't do that. I would maybe take a shot at Justin Herbert, but I don't want to keep on uh, – Blow into Chargers on this one. It's, this one's just so hard because, it's like I said, if you're going to bet this one, why don't you just do the MVP? Because normally the MVP odds are a little bit better than this one just because you, uh, sometimes you get better long shot odds on the MVP than you get in this one because this one doesn't get that much action like an MVP does. So you could offset uh, the odds when it comes to normal NFL MVP when it comes to player of the year. But I would have to take a shot at the uh, Justin Hubert if I had to. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Um, uh, I, I I can't disagree with that. He's he's going to put up the most numbers, and he's actually favored for most passing yards. So why not take him yes. for offense player of the year if he's not going to be the MVP? Let's move on to comeback player of the year in the regular season. You have Derrick Henry plus three hundred. Kind of injured a little bit last year, right? But he always comes back. But still, Jameis Winston plus five hundred. Injured himself. Missed. A little more than half the season. Christian McCaffrey, plus 700, who really didn't do diddly squat last year. He was injured the year before, and, you know, he, just, he doesn't have a line anymore. Um, he's getting old. Daniel Jones, quarterback for the Giants, because they had such a great draft. Everybody likes Daniel Jones at plus 750. I mean, what's he coming back from? He started all year. <laughs> yeah. Coming back from terribleness, I guess. Uh, Baker Mayfield, plus 800. He actually played the whole year, but he complained about his injured uh, uh, torn labrum, which is, you know, if you have a torn labrum, don't play and screw your contract over um, because people are going to think that maybe, you know, just like I thought. I'm like, how much of this is true? How much of it isn't? Blah, blah, blah. You got Michael Thomas at plus 1,000. Marcus Mariota, plus 1,400, who might lose his starting job as I just went through. And Mitch Trubisky at plus 1,400. Then you got Chase Young, J.K. Dobbins, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to say it's probably Mitch Trubisky um, for me if I was going to take it. But I didn't. I, I just can I can make an argument with all these, most of these guys. You know, I mean, there's a scenario in every single one. 1,400 is not nearly enough on anything on Mitch Trubisky to get me to bet him. But at the same time, he is listed at now as a Steelers quarterback, and he's gotten so much hate from the media that why would he not get a media award like comeback player of the year type thing, where the media influences it? So um, I, I'm gonna go. I would, I'm gonna lean Mitch. What are your thoughts? I, I agree on that one because I think he does win the starting quarter, uh, the starting position there, and I think there again, I hate to beat a dead horse. Defense will win that game, uh, win that a lot of those games for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I would say take the Saints. Woodson or Thomas, uh, if the Saints do anything, if they make it to the playoffs or stuff like that, 
I would feel bad because I know Michael Thomas, so you can get him anywhere 8, 9, or even 10 to 1. If he has a blowout season, has a great season like he did a couple of years ago, they're going to give it to a quarterback. They're going to give it to famous Jameis. They're going to give it to Thomas because who gave him those balls? He did. So it would be suck to have a ticket on Michael Thomas and, and thinking you're going to get it and they're going to give it to the guy who threw him the ball most of the time. So uh, I would say if there's a prop, I may I put a prop, I may I just put Saints offense as comeback uh, player of the year. You okay. get everyone on the same. So, there you go. I mean, I was looking for Justin Herbert, but I couldn't find it. I could have swore you were going to pick Herbert here, but uh. no, I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I I really like the Chaminsky play. I I think you know, just with the media hatred uh, and, and stuff like that. Well, you that. saw him play preseason at Buffalo. He looked great. I mean, maybe the Bears' coaching sucks, which duh, they kind of got fired. So uh, maybe it was a lot more of that than anything else. Um, let's go for. It's funny. I missed. I skipped over this defensive player of the year. I have a play on this one. I'm going to see if you have anything first. Oh, my defense is uh, it's it's Watt, TJ Watt. I mean, I I was I wanted to deal with Donald again because I think he's uh, no. I, I had this discussion on another show the other day that I think he's better, the best defensive player ever in the game uh, when he hangs it up and everyone says, "Oh, what about Lawrence Taylor? What about Singletary and Dick Buckus?" I'm a I'm sorry, Donald just changes the game when he's in there. But this year, I like T.J. Watt. I'm really, as you can tell, I'm really high on Pittsburgh just because I think everyone's going to think, oh, there's no Big Ben, they stink. It's funny how you guys listed Trent Jordan Watt instead of T.J. Watt, you know. <laughs> I don't even know if I remember that from his Wisconsin day. We always call him T.J. But first you have Aaron Donald at plus 650, Miles Garrett at plus 650, TJ Watt at plus 700, Micah Parsons at plus 900, Nick Bosa plus 1200, Joey Bosa plus 2500. Those guys are so injury prone. I'm not touching them with a 10 foot pole. Cleo Mackle is only going to play on third downs, probably, or any passing downs. I'm going to go a little bit different here, and I'm going to go with Josh Allen, not the quarterback. Josh Allen, but the defensive end, Josh Allen for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And here is my theory. I think that the Colts, a little bit iffy on their left tackle. So we'll, we'll just we'll just leave that there. Uh, picking on the Texans twice is going to be nice for Josh Allen. You remember when they beat the Bills last year. It was all Josh Allen beating Josh Allen at quarterback. It was him in his face. And now the fact that they have a new coach in Doug Peterson – I think that maybe this fires this team up and maybe they do get six or seven wins or something good like that. Josh Allen, uh, he's a beast and he is a lot faster than people think. At 66 to one, being the sack man, if he can lead the league in sacks, he's probably going to get this award, especially if the uh, Jaguars actually do something this year. So I just kind of took a flyer. It was a small play. Ralph, maybe a quarter unit, a half unit, something like that. But I'm sticking with it. I like it. I think they're a much improved team this year. They're not going to be the dormant we've seen before. And uh, I like to play. I actually, I'm not high on them, but they're going to win some games that people are going to scratch their head like, oh my God, Jacksonville won today? Exactly. Let's move on to the final one I'm going to talk about Coach of the Year. And I might as well go first here because I'm sticking with this. 
if you're going to there, – there's some people betting the Jaguars 7-1 to one to win the division. They're saying the Colts could – maybe Matt Ryan is Matt Ryan, like for the Falcons, and it screws up. And maybe uh, the Titans were, you know, kind of fake news coming into the playoffs as, as the number one seed. And then you have the Jaguars with a brand-new coach here. Why bet them at 7-1 to one when you can bet Doug Peterson at 18-1? to one? Because I'll tell you right now, it would take an undefeated – season from somebody else to not give this award for a man that could make the playoffs and Doug Peterson, if they make the playoffs at their seven to one, I think Peterson is a shoe in for coach of the year at plus 1800. What are your thoughts? I, I have a ticket on that on one, uh, one of the sites at 20 to one for, uh, oh. for Peterson. Uh, <laughs> You know, there was the ones that I'm still kind of tempting to pull the trigger on 30 to one to Mike Tomlin, just because it's Mike Tomlin. I mean, uh, if they go anywhere, why wouldn't they give it to him a brand new? But I totally, totally agree with that, Doug Peterson. If they're even sniffing the playoffs, uh, he's going to get mentioned and stuff like that. So if they get the wild card too. You know, they don't have to win the division. You know, and now all these books keep coach of the year open. They take coaches off. They leave them open and all that. You might be able to hedge that ticket if you grab this number now anywhere 17, 18, or 20 to 1. I say grab it. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic uh, wager on it. Awesome. Thank you. I actually have a couple more wagers that I made that I'm reserving for odds breakers, members. Any other exotic plays or any NFL plays you want to talk about? No, like I said, I'm in low key so far in futures, uh, just because it's uh, still July 27th. I mean, I'm still not uh, even when I'm watching the Hall of Fame game. I'm probably still not going to be full blown NFL mode yet. So uh, usually it takes me preseason week two to like, oh, I guess this uh, this I guess this NFL train's coming really fast. I guess I better get uh, motivated for that. But yeah, I would like I said, I'm excited to see some. I'm 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 faced. I'm excited to see. That the, the powerful division that everyone keeps on mentioning. I mean, uh, Chargers, Chiefs, Raiders. But, but I'm ex- I'm excited to see what's going to happen, and not because I'm a fan of any of the four and all that. I just think we just haven't seen anything like this in in any sport where all four teams. I mean, sometimes the Yankees will win with Yankees, Red Sox, and maybe sometimes the Blue Jays will creep up. Uh, and the Cubs, I mean, the NL Central, Cubs, the Cardinals, and Brewers. Sometimes they would battle it, but. Never in a, never before the season started where you had, oh, everyone in this division could probably win it, and not one people would say, oh, that was a surprise. So <laughs> I'm just excited to see the outcome of, of all four of, the, four of those teams in the division. Yes, I very much am too, man. It's going to be an exciting year. You're going to hear more and more about football as the time moves on. We have the preseason ahead of us too where I have an article on all coach preseason records adjusted for some of the new Coaches we thought were dead that came right back in the NFL. Lovey Smith, you know. Yeah. Hey, don't be like Lovey Smith. That beard's <laughs> right. Dennis Allen back, obviously, coach. And you have a Josh McDaniels. There's like five of them that had some coaching records. So check us out at the Odds Breakers to see and uh, those coaching records because we know a lot of it is based on motivation. Where can our listeners and viewers find your great information and plays, ref? You can find me on Instagram at Rafael Esparza. You can find me on Twitter at BSI Doc Sports. You can find me over at DocSports.com. You can find all my crazy stuff odds over at MyBookie.ag. Awesome, Ralph. Thanks for coming on, man. Had a blast. Take it easy. Have a fantastic uh, weekend. Weekend. All right. Now it's time for a little UFC 2. 
77. Massive fight coming on right here. Juliana Pena, the new champion, is fighting Amanda Nunez in the women's fam can weight class. Gonna be an awesome main event. As you know, Amanda Nunez has been called the GOAT by Joe Rogan and many other MMA fight fans. She does obviously have some issues with some stuff. So I'm excited to break down this fight for you. I'm actually going to do this one last. We're going to move to a fight in the main card here. I'm going to start with Alexandre Pantoja, who is 24 and 5, minus 180, against Alex Perez, who is 24 and 6. So both these fighters, pretty good age. Pantoja is 32 years old. 5'5", and Alex Perez, 30 years old, 5'6", very close in height. I will say Perez weighs 128, according to SureDog. He has weight cut problems, so he has missed weight in a few of his fights before, and I think this is going to be extra interesting. Here's what we see in Alex Perez. He hasn't fought, well, in an actual event. I'm sure he sparred in practice, but... Not the same thing. Since November 21st, 2020. And that was a loss against Divison Figueredo. That's an okay loss, right? I mean, the champion. He lost by submission to the champ. Then his last three wins. Juicier Formiga, Jordan Espinosa, and Mark De La Rosa. I have struggled putting these three guys into tier two even. These are more or less tier three guys at the weight class of 125 at flyweight here in the UFC. You know, I'm curious to see these weigh-ins with him, but I'm thinking it's going to be a tough weight cut. And if that's the case, you know, Pantoja obviously gets more of the purse and it affects Alex Perez if he's missing weight. Now he can pull up Paula Costa and not even try, <laughs> then Pantoja has to make a decision if I want to fight a heavier guy. But um, we'll see how far Alex Perez gets down. But the important thing with Perez is the ring rust. And this line shows the ring rust, but I don't think it's really so showing anything more than that. I think this should be a minus 250, minus 300 fight. Um, he's beat, or his, his loss before his last three wins was against Joseph Benavidez, and yes, Benavidez is a, a very good and experienced fighter in the UFC. He's been there forever. Definitely a borderline tier one, tier two. At one time, he was certainly in a tier one here at the 125 weight class. Uh, probably still tier one, right? But uh, that was a nasty loss too. KO'd in the first round in 2018. Then, you know... Um, couple UFC wins, Eric Shelton, Joe Torres, Jose Torres. And then he was in other federations before that, um, winning most of his fights. Now, Diaz is a very good fighter. But going against a guy like Pantoja, I think Pantoja is probably my third ranked fighter in the lightweight division. Let's see where top topology has. Yeah, Topology has him fifth. They have Kai Kara France, who is fighting Brandon Moreno, obviously, second and third. He has France third, Moreno second, right? 
And then you have Oscar Oskarov fourth. But they have Pantoja as fifth, and I can buy that. I actually will throw him ahead of Kaikara France uh, just for his uh, grappling abilities. But at the same time, I think this line is short because of, I see multiple paths of victory. I think Pantoja is the better BJJ black belt. I think that the fact that Perez has been susceptible to submissions if you actually look at the numbers, Pantoja, seven KOs, never lost by KO. Nine submissions, never lost by submission. Seven decision wins, five decision losses against Perez. Five KOs, one loss by KO. Seven subs, but four losses by submission. And 11 decisions in one loss to decision. Now, Perez, when he does get to the decision, looks like he's winning a ton of them. But he is stepping up massively in, in class here to fight Pantoja. And with the ring rust here, you have to go with Pantoja here with this number. I'm going to give out Pantoja at minus 180. I took it in for premium subscribers at minus 164 uh, for two stars already. So I'm going to give that out for two stars. Well, it's a great day. For me to whoop somebody's ass. Now that we're talking about this fight, let's bring up the Brandon Moreno Kai Kara France fight, being that they're ranked two and three. It's going to be a fantastic fight. Figueredo lost the belt because I believe he's took took too long to fight due to an injury. So this is like an interim championship match here between Moreno and France. Uh, Moreno biggest heart in my opinion out of anybody the dude's just been there and started from nothing got canned by the ufc eventually came back and ended up winning i think he even lost in some sort of like contender series thing it was just a long time ago but you know he worked his way back up started winning lost a few times including to pantoja then you hit a draw with Oskarov, you know, got up to Kaikara France. He beat Kaikara France already back in 2019 by decision, just by out throwing him, right? And then just just here for Miga uh, by decision. Uh, Brandon Royval, he knocked out actually. Then he actually drawed with Divison Figueredo, and then he beat Divison Figueredo by a rear naked choke and i remember that well a little over a year ago because i was on figure eight on that fight and uh i was shocked and you know he came back and divas and figure figured some stuff out and ended up uh winning by decision which in my opinion was a very very close fight but uh i think the striking went to moreno but the damage was better from divas Figueredo. But here's what I'm looking at here. Kaikar France, if you look at him, he's just a puncher. He doesn't submit many people. He has 11 KOs, three submissions, and 10 decisions. But here's the thing. When you're looking at his wins by submission, and you can see this with most stand-up fighters, there is a time that they've submitted some guy in some shitty federation just because it was wide open. That's going to happen, but that doesn't mean that they're that good at it. France wants to keep this thing on his feet because he doesn't want to get down with uh, Brandon Moreno at all because he's going to leave himself very susceptible to uh, Moreno's jujitsu himself, right? So that's the problem. You know, Kaikar France is a striker. Now, here's another problem. Moreno has a good 
advantage when it comes to his size, 5'7 to 5'4, and he has a little bit of a reach because of that, and he's going to have better leg kicks. Moreno is going to leg kick him in to a decision win, in my opinion. Um, Significant strikes is Kai Car France 4.8 to 3.5 for Brandon Moreno. Moreno's got a little bit more accuracy, but you got to understand that when you're on the ground more often, like Moreno, you're going to have less significant strikes. It's just the way it is. His uh, Moreno has the better takedown. It's probably Moreno here, and I don't think France gets knocked out. I think it's probably Moreno by decision, but I didn't take it yet. The reason I didn't take it yet is because I'm just impressed. <laughs> I've been pretty impressed on uh, what France has been doing lately, knocking out Oscar. Well, he went to the decision, beat Oscar Askarov. And uh, going over a couple of his latest wins here, uh, Cody Garbrandt beat him in the first. Uh, Rogerio Bontorin knocked him out in the first. Rogerio's pretty good. He did get subbed by uh, Brandon Royval. But like I said, you're going against a different animal here in Moreno. You're probably going to go to the cards. Another reason I didn't make this play yet is because it's in Texas, and the Texas Boxing Commission is absolutely garbage. You suck! Pretty much, and it's hard to trust them. But at the same time, I almost think that Moreno might be favored just by his style of fighting, by the way things go, because they tend to value control over actual damage. And so... I still might be making this play. Let me look these this play up right now for you on bestfightodds.com, which is my go-to place for fight odds since it shows many books. And it's uh, very easy to obviously make a play. Fight goes to decisions, not bad. It's minus 162 at Bet Rivers, minus 164 at Bet365. Five dimes minus 165. So that's not a bad price that this fight does go to decision. So if you think it's going to go to the cards, a safer play with certainly a lot more juice. But looking at Moreno by decision, you're actually getting plus money at plus 140, plus 138. You're getting some value there, in my opinion, um, if you think Moreno's going to win. Kaikawa France by decision, plus 300, plus 330. Right, so if he likes France's side, there you go. So that's my thoughts about that fight. Another one before we get into the main event is I think there's some value on Anthony Smith, believe it or not. And Anthony Smith's got a tough fight ahead of him. He's going against Magomed Ankalaev. Okay, and we know how good Magomed is as a fighter. I mean, he only has one loss. But let's see who Smith has fought recently. Smith beat Ryan Spawn by a submission. Submission, Rear naked choke. Spawn's pretty good. Knocked him down first. Remember that fight. He beat Jimmy Crute. Doctor stoppage. Bloodied him. Devin Clark, who I thought has been really moving up in class. And then his losses was to Alexander Rakic and Glover Teixeira. The, you mean the champion two months ago, Glover to share it? Yeah, I think that's an okay loss. Rakic is pretty awesome himself, injured himself against Blakovic, Blakovic just recently. Then he beat Gustafson, 
Lost to John Jones. Who cares about that? But that all went all the way to the decision. Fought Jones hard. Uh, then he's got a win against Vulcan Uzdemir. Uh, Rashad Evans. Rua. I mean, Smith has just been a baller. And he is a tier one fighter, in my opinion, in this division. I think he is tier one. He's just the lower tier one. And Magomed Ankalaev should get a shot at the title here. Um, he probably will get a shot against Yuri if he beats Anthony Smith here. At uh, and he's sixteen and one. Anthony Smith, thirty six and sixteen. Magomed Ankalaev, thirty years old. Smith is only thirty four. Now that's a lot of ring years on you when you have over fifty fights like that with Anthony Smith. But still, thirty four years old, not a terrible difference there. The problem with Magomed is that his fights have been going to decision. His fights have been going to the cards. Anthony Smith has a pretty decent reach himself. I'm actually going to pull it up here. He's a pretty big guy. You know, Anthony Smith's 6'4". Magomed is 6'3". Smith has a 76-inch reach. Magomed's got a 75-inch reach. Now, Anthony Smith sucks at takedown defense, okay? That's where the big issue with Anthony Smith is. Magomed, if he's smart, would... Just play the stats game, right? I'm actually going to pull up the correct numbers here on Anthony Smith's takedown defense. Because Magomed, you know, he's a Russian. He knows how to wrestle. You know, he he trains actually against wrestlers. But Smith defends less than half his takedowns. 49% takedown defense. He also absorbs a lot of strikes, 4.31 significant strikes while he only lands 3.03 significant strikes per minute, right? Stats-wise, it's probably a little bit better for Magomed on Goliath. But then again, Magomed's just going to sit around and maybe screw off like he has his last few fights. I thought that he should have won some of his other fights more convincingly than going to decision. His takedown defense is massive at 86%, and it's significant strikes. He's a little bit more at 3.49. He wins by either TKO or decision. He doesn't sub, like I said, like the other Russians do. But he can ground and pound. 21% of his significant strikes by position is ground and pound, 11% in the clinch, 67% standing. Now, what I look at for Magomed is the way he loses his fights. He only has one loss on record, but it is by sub. And it is by, like I said earlier. Actually, I didn't say this earlier on the pod. I said this to somebody else. By submission. You look at the record of Anthony Smith. Pulling it up right here. He's won a few of his fights by submission. 14 wins by submission out of his 36. So... If he does get taken down, and he's not great on his back, he might be able to pull something against Magomed on Klyoff. I think this if this goes to the cards, very dangerous in Texas for Magomed. I'm going to take a play at plus 500 just for a half unit here on Anthony Smith here, thinking that this is incorrectly priced. I think he has a 30% chance of winning, saying that this should be maybe around minus 240 or something like that. Right? I can actually do the math right now here. All you do is take 70%, 1 minus 30, over 30, and it should be minus 233 for Magomed. So, uh, or, and, and not minus 600 
what some of these books are dealing right now. I'll take the plus 500 with Anthony and take a shot here. Um, I think he's got a shot. Let's move out to the main event with Amanda Nunez versus Juliana Pena. And Pena beat her last time. I couldn't believe it. I was glad I was off this fight because I couldn't bet Nunez no more. It was one of the biggest upsets ever. It was probably like minus 1,000 or something for Nunez. Nunez has a gas tank problem. She's kind of showed that before. I think she's just kind of enjoying the high life too long as a champion here. Some of her wins are magnificent, beating Shevchenko twice. One of them was kind of 50-50, but this is Shevchenko, man. I mean, maybe the best technical fighter in UFC. Uh, you have Nunez, who is a much better striker, 4.55. To Pena's 3.36, even though Pena did catch her because Nunez was stupid this fight. Um, Nunez is not necessarily the greatest on the ground. They're both Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but she did lose by sub. But I think she was just completely gassed at the time and was just done. Um, it, it didn't even seem like a proper choke to me when Pena put that on and I watched the replays and all that. So here's the problem with Pena and it's a massive problem that nobody is freaking talking about nobody her takedown defense is 22 percent seriously 22 percent it's on ufcstats.com it's on ufc.com look it up how is somebody like Pena who is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu right I mean, Nunez is listed as a striker here on ESPN, but she's also jiu-jitsu. She's from Brazil. <laughs> how, is, how is she not good at defending the takedown? I don't know. Then you think sample size here. Maybe she hasn't had a ton of UFC fights, and I'm looking. She's had plenty of UFC fights. Nine of them. You know? She was in The Ultimate Fighter. She has some ugly losses before then, but that's in 2013. She was in The Ultimate Fighter in 2013 later, got better. Then 2015, started beating people, Jessica I by decision, Kat Zingano by decision. Then she losses, lost to Shevchenko by submission in 2017. She lost, then she beat somebody I don't even know, Nico Montano. And then she lost to... Jermaine de Rondemi, think I said her name right. I remember her by submission in 2020, October 3rd, 2020. This is less than two years ago. She's losing by submission. Then she beat Sarah McMahon by uh, a submission late in the third. And then she got Nunez by submission. But this is a very susceptible fighter. You know, she lost to Shevchenko. She lost some really bad fights here recently. She's a strong woman. But Nunez is coming back here fishing for that belt. But here's my problem with Nunez. I hate how she left, left America Top Team. I hate how she's doing her own thing now. Who knows who she's training against because of that. At least with America Top Team, who's probably the best gym in all the MMA, they put you against tough people. You know, I don't know what she's doing there. And I, you have to wonder. She was pissed at her coaches. She wants to do things her way. Well, what is your way, Amanda? Because... If you look at the numbers, you should be just taking down Pena and getting back up and then taking her down again 
getting back up, taking her down again, striking, getting back up, wearing her down like that, and then getting in her in a submission. That's the smart way of fighting. But I'm going to bet that this five-round fight doesn't go to decision because, A, I hate Nunez's gas tank. <laughs> you know, I don't think she wins if it goes to decision necessarily because of that. And Pena has never had a five-round fight, and she's only been to decision once in her last five fights. I think this is going to be a rough one on her. I'm going to bet Nunez, and I'm going to bet inside the distance at minus 135. And I put two stars on this, and here's why. Um, for the fact that Juliana Pena, everything I said about her, could be submitted. Terrible takedown defense. Should be pieced together, pieced apart is what I should say, from Nunez. She should piece it together in her mind to be able to piece her apart by takedowns, wear her out, and then submit her. And when the hell have you seen Nunez minus 280, minus 275, right? Such a great number on Nunez just for what you've seen in the past. I mean, Nunez has been called the GOAT. But I think you see a different Nunez this fight because I think she's approaching this as the underdog. I think she has the underdog mindset, and she probably doesn't even care that she's favored. You know, she's pissed off about this. I've seen her pissed before, and she's performed well for me. I've made a lot of money off Nunez back in the day when she was a dog. I'm still going with Nunez, but we're going to take her two stars inside the distance at minus 135. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions about any fights, feel free to tweet us at the Odds Breakers. Make sure you check out our handicappers, including myself. Our football stuff is up and ready. I know there's some soccer packages up as well. I hope you guys enjoy all the fights this weekend. Enjoy all the games and go get some winners. <laughs>